All right, well, thank you all for being here tonight and continuing our study and on the hereafter and looking right now at eternal heaven. So we're going to get into that tonight. All right, as we get started, though, let's open up in prayer and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you for bringing us together. And Lord, just studying more about heaven. Lord, where we will spend all of eternity in your presence. So, Lord, just pray that you would guide us tonight. And, Lord, I just pray that our hearts would long all the more to be in your presence, to look forward to eternity and just long for that. Give us, let us groan with all of creation as we learn more about what you have in store for us. Uh, Lord, just open up our imagination. Lord, we know that in your word you, you give us little glimpses. And, but Lord, you've also given us imagination to kind of take some of those glimpses and, and expand on it and just imagine what you have in store. So allow our imaginations to kind of run away with us a bit as we look at this and just think of the, imagine the glory that awaits us in eternity. So this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you tonight, we're... Start in Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65. We'll be looking at verses 17 through 25. Got to kick us off. And then you have a scripture resource sheet there as well. Because I'm going to be going all over the place looking at different passages. And so instead of having to flip here and there and yonder, uh, you can follow along with that scripture uh, resource sheet. If you can read it, it's a little bit small print to get them all on even two pages. I had to put them on two pages tonight, but uh, maybe, maybe you can follow along. If not, you can, like I say, get your super magnifier later and, and go through and, and reread them, look through them again. So when we think about this life, in this life, doesn't, it seems like there's always something missing, Right. Even if you if you go out and you get your dream job, right? This is what I've been created to do, and this is what I, God made me to do, this job. You get your dream job, you get in there, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and it's really exciting, at least for a little while. But, you know, eventually there, there just seems like something's missing, right? Uh, or, or you get to take that, you know, dream vacation. This is what I always wanted. I always wanted to go to this place. And you go, and yeah, it's good, and it's great, and wonderful, but there's something missing. It seems like in life there's always something missing. Just something. I mean, we can have a, a full life, a wonderful life, have a great family, uh, wonderful kids, all of that sort of thing, but still there's always something missing. Uh, we, we talk about the fullness of life. And we do, we can have a fullness of life in this lifetime, at least to a certain extent. But even with the, the fullness of life that this life has to offer, there's still something missing. Uh, there's always something missing. And, and that something that's missing is something that God created us to long for and to look for. Uh, and it's what we're going to end up gaining in eternity. As we look tonight... Uh, our lesson, God's, this is what we're going to hopefully learn. Oh, this thing's not on. Got to turn on my clicker. Hopefully we'll see this. God's children will experience the fullness of life, the real fullness of life in eternity. As we think about life in eternity, God's children, you, 
me, we will experience the fullness of life in eternity. So that little thing that always seems to be missing, we won't be missing it anymore once we get to eternity. We will surely experience the fullness of life in all ways that God intended us to experience. So I hope that tonight's lesson continues to build that excitement. We've been kind of building that excitement, building that excitement for glory. And hopefully tonight we'll continue to build that excitement looking for eternity. So just kind of remember where we were last week. We talked about uh, eternal heaven. And eternal heaven, we said, is a restoration of creation. It's a restoration of creation. So if you want to you get an idea of what eternity is going to look like, feel like, well, just go outside. Look around. Imagine the world around us in perfection. Without all the death, all the decay, all the pollution, all that, just imagine this world in absolute perfection as God originally created it. And I think that's what we're going to see in eternity. It's going to be here. Heaven's going to come to earth, the new Jerusalem. Heaven is going to come down to earth and it's going to consume this earth and heaven's going to be right here. This is where we're going to spend all of eternity. God created us from the earth. He created us for the earth. And I think we're going to spend eternity here on the earth. This is where God wants us to be. He created us to be here. And to have it and have dominion over this earth. And so we are going to, it, this is where we're going to, this, is, this will be our home. Right? This earth, not in the way it is right now, not with all the stains of sin, but purified, made holy. This earth is where we will spend all of eternity. Now, tonight we begin to think about, though, what are we going to do? What are we going to do in eternity? What's that going to feel like? All right. Well, it's going to be here, but but what's life going to be like here in eternity once we get to eternal heaven? Well, I want us to, I want us to see three aspects of eternal life, eternal living in heaven. So three aspects of eternal living. And first of all, the first aspect that we want to consider is a resurrected life. We'll have our, our excuse me, resurrected bodies. Uh, we will have resurrected bodies. You, you remember we said that in present heaven, uh, right, when we go, when we leave this earth, when we go home to be with the Lord, uh, you know, we experience absolute joy. Uh, there's a wonder there. There's a, an excitement about being in the presence of the Lord. We'll experience joy like we've never can imagine. Uh, but yet, yeah, even in present heaven, there's something missing because you know, it's just our spirit. We're apart from our body and God didn't create us to be apart from our body. He created us to be one unit, body and spirit united in one whole. And so we're looking forward to the day that when our spirit, those spirits in heaven will come back down and be rejoined with their bodies. That's what they're looking forward to. And once we get to heaven, we'll be looking for that day that our spirits will come back down and reunite with our bodies and we will have resurrected bodies. So what does it mean that we will have resurrected bodies? Well, I want to look at uh, our, our text tonight, our kickoff text here. First of all, uh, Isaiah 65, 17 through 25. And let's just begin to look there. This, this covers a lot of things, but uh, let's look at that and kind of get us started. Isaiah chapter 65, starting in verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth 
and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I created. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be, uh, to be gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and a sinner and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they, uh, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. So this is a prophecy that uh, the Lord gave to Isaiah, the prophet, uh, about eternal heaven, about the new heavens and the new earth. Now, there's some uh, there's some uh, illustrations here. There's some uh, illusions of things. Uh, this is figurative language. So we know from the rest of Scripture uh, where kind of to fill in the blanks. But we got to think about the imagery that is here. But I think we can see a lot about the new heavens and the new earth from this text. And we're going to talk about them as we, we work through our lesson tonight. But when we think about resurrected bodies, what does it mean that we will have resurrected bodies? Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19 says, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. So even in the Old Testament, uh, God revealed to his people of the Old Testament that the day of resurrection was coming. There would be a day that the dead would rise again. And of course, this is reaffirmed throughout the New Testament as well. So what does it mean that we'll have resurrected bodies? Well, these bodies that we have right now, they are not perfect, are they? They are, they are scarred with the, the effects of sin. Uh, they're, they're given to sin. They, they desire sinful things. There's nothing perfect about it. These bodies grow old. Uh, they get aches and pains, right? Uh, I've got a few aches in my knees right now that I've been dealing with for a while, and, and, and that, it hurts, right? Uh, there's, there's some problems with this body. But in eternity, we will have resurrected bodies, which means, number one, we will see physical perfection. These bodies will have physical perfection. They will be physically perfect. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 57. I tell you this, brothers. 
Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body, right, this perishable with all of its aches and pains and all of its flaws, this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body, this body that dies, this body that is given to death, this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this perishable body, this body that gets sick, this body that you cut it and it bleeds, this body that catches infections, this body that, catches, that uh, uh, gets cancer, this body that eventually it dies, right? This body will be transformed, will be changed in a moment. For those who have already died and their bodies have turned to dust, God will raise up those ashes from the ground and that body that comes up, it'll be a new body, a brand new body. Now it's going to look a whole lot like the person who inhabited it before, right? It's going to be their body, but it's going to be a new body. It's going to be an, an imperishable body. There will be no more sickness, no more sickness. We don't have to worry about the flu bug anymore, right? <laughs> Uh, that's going around and we see a lot of people sick by the flu. Well, the flu will be no more. We'll not have to worry about the flu. We won't have to worry about the coronavirus or any other virus. Uh, we won't have to worry about infections and all of those types of things. All of those ills will be over. We won't have to worry about growing old, right? And getting all of these achy joints and, and, and things that we are cursed with. That's all part of the, the curse of the fall. So no more achy joints. Uh, none of that. We will have a perfect body free from all of the, the stain of sin. Uh, no sickness. There will be, of course, no death. No death. This mortal body must put on the immortal, right? That's, we live forever. Uh, God created us to live for, with Him and for the rest of eternity. And so he created us that way. Sin brought death into the world. And so once we have the resurrected body, well, death will be no more. We won't have to worry about death any longer. And so we will be free from the stain of death. And there'll be no age. There'll be no age. Now, we need to think about that. There will be no age. Now, uh, when we think about what will our resurrected bodies look like. I mean, if you die and you're 90 years old, are you going to have a 90-year-old body? No. No, you won't have a 90-year-old body because it's going to be a perfect body. Uh, it's not going to have the, the stain of age. The uh, Age is part of the, the curse of sin. 
with all the wrinkles and all the aches and all the pains, right? So uh, it won't be a 90-year-old body. Uh, what if you have a child who died as an infant? Are they, are they condemned to be an infant for all of eternity? No, they will have a perfect body. They will have a perfect body. Uh, now, what does that perfect body look like? I mean, in my mind, I'm guesstimating somewhere around 30, 33 years old. I mean, if you think about, about a person, that, that, that's kind of the prime, right? Uh, I don't know Jesus died when he was about 33. So I'm, I'm just thinking uh, when he was resurrected from the dead, his body was apparently that same age. So I'm thinking maybe that's something we can we kind of imagine when we think about when we were 30. Uh, that's probably, you know, somewhere around what we'll look like. All right. Uh, we're we're still we're still thriving. Right. No, no aches, no pains, no wrinkles. And so that's what it's going to be like. Uh, that's what it's going to be like. Um, you know, you often hear about especially mothers who, who see their babies who, who die and leave this world as infants. Well, what what's my baby going to be like? Uh, is he or she always going to be an infant? No, no, they're not going to always be an infant. Uh, that, that God didn't create them to, to stay in infancy, right? Uh, that would be imperfection. Uh, perfection is, is to be uh, self-sustaining and being able to, to take care of yourself, feed yourself and all of that. So even our babies who, who die, they're going to they're gonna have a full, fully resurrected body. They're going to be grown, right? They're going to be an absolute perfection. So there will be no age, whatever age we might imagine it to be. It will be just the perfect age. Our, our bodies will be absolutely perfect in every sense of the word. So there will be physical perfection, but there will also be spiritual perfection. There will be spiritual perfection. And this is Revelation chapter 21. I don't think I included it on your sheet because I didn't include it in my notes. Uh, I just kind of copied and pasted the ones I put in my notes and put them on your, your handout. But Revelation chapter 22, or excuse me, 21, verses 22 through 27, reads like this. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. Now, notice it doesn't say that there are there are no sun and moon. It just says the city has no need for sun and moon uh, to shine on it for the glory of the Lord gives its light. Now, the words, the Lord is the light that shines in the city and its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will, bring into, they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, there are a couple of things there that we need to, to take note of uh, that indicate this spiritual perfection. Uh, the Lord is their light. Now, when it talks about the Lord God being a light, what does it mean that, that God is, is, well, other scripture here, God is the light of the world. What does it mean that God is the light of the world? Does it mean like he's a big light bulb? Is that what it means? No, of course not, right? It, he's the light of righteousness. 
He's the light of righteousness. And so when it says in New Jerusalem that God will be the light of the city, you know, he's going to be our, our model of righteousness. Right now we have the revelation of God in his word, right? This is our model of righteousness. This is how God is. This is hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so God's word is our light right now. But when eternity comes, God will be the temple. And he will be there in person. We will not need his word because we'll have him there in person to be our light, our guide in eternity, to show us how to, to live, how to act, how to be. Uh, and he will be our, our light of righteousness. But also says that there will be no darkness there. Now, again, does that mean there will absolutely be no darkness where there will be no, no nighttime there's daytime, nighttime, we have all that. Does that mean that we'll never have a nighttime again? We'll just, uh, it'll always be day? Not necessarily. When, it, when Scripture talks about there being no nighttime, a lot of times that means there's no sin, right? There's no sin. When the Gospels talk about um, um, Judas, Jesus is there at the Lord's Supper. He, he presents the Lord's Supper, and he tells Judas what you have to do. Do it quickly. And, and I think it's John, the Gospel of John, that say, tells this. And John says, as he goes out, as Judas goes out, he makes this remark, and it was night. Now, is he just giving kind of a, a reference of the day? It was nighttime? No, it's in connection to Judas. It was night. His heart had turned black. Satan had entered him, and now he was gone to do the bidding of the devil. It was night in his heart. And see, that's what Scripture often talks about when it says it's night. Uh, it, it's referring to the darkness of sin. But in the new heavens and the new earth, there is no night. There's no, no stain of sin. There's no darkness of, of sin and disobedience. So sin will be no more. There will be no night there. There will be no sin there. there were, uh, they will bring into the, uh, into the city the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. There will be sinless perfection in heaven, and our resurrected bodies, are, we will have a spiritual perfection. We will not sin. John chapter 1, verse 3, and excuse me, 1 John 3, verse 2, Behold, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, when Christ appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. How will we be like Christ? Perfect. And perfect without sin. He's God. We can't be God like he is. He's God. We'll never be God. Right. So we're not going to become like him, uh, like him at, at, in his divinity. That's impossible. Uh, we're not going to be his twins or, or whatever. Right. We're not going to do that. We're not going to look exactly like him. We will be like him in sinless perfection. 
when eternity comes, when this life is over, actually, and we go on to be with the Lord, we will then experience sinless perfection. But when we get our resurrected bodies, we'll be perfect and we'll be physically perfect and we'll be spiritually perfect. We will not sin. We will not even be able to sin. Even the chance of sin will be removed. There'll be no tree of the knowledge of good and evil in eternity. There's no chance of sin. All darkness has been removed. All sin, all chances of sin will be removed. We will be in absolute spiritual perfection. So in eternity, in eternal heaven, we will have perfect resurrected bodies. No more sickness, no more death, no more sin. Therefore, we are striving towards, we should be striving towards that resurrected life now. And let me just uh, uh, appeal to you in your own life now, if that's what we are striving, if that's what we're going to be, why not strive for that even now? To root out sin in our own lives. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. We know that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That's where we are now. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. No, we'll not see perf the perfect uh, physical body in this life. We'll continue to get old. We'll continue to get aches and pains. We'll continue to suffer the effects of sin in this life, and we will eventually die unless the Lord returns before that. We will, we will suffer that. And yes, we will be marked by, with sin the rest of our lives. But God has freed us from sin. He has freed us so that we might live for Him. And He's working in us to work out sin in our life. So let us strive together toward godliness, toward sanctification, rooting out sin from among us. So the first aspect of eternal living uh, that fuels the fullness of life that we're looking for is resurrected bodies. Second, the second aspect of eternity that fuels that hope of that fullness of life is restored relationships. Restored relationships. This is fun. Restored relationships. Well, number one, uh, that will be our restored relationship with God. Our restored relationship with God. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 again, verses 1 through 3. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the city, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Oh man, that's huge. Amen. That's just absolutely huge. I mean, yes, in this life, 
being born again, coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ has redeemed us and has restored our relationship with God. Yes, that is true. Absolutely true. But yet even now, there's still a, there's still a, a, a bridge between, there's still a gap between us and God, isn't there? I mean, we don't get to sit and talk to God face to face, do we? We don't get to experience God like Adam experienced him in the garden before the fall where he walked with God in the cool of the day. We don't get that. We pray to him and he, he speaks to us through his word. So we have that relationship with him. But oh, how we long to see God face to face, to actually be in his presence, to have that relationship with God absolutely thoroughly restored where there's no longer this this gap between us and God no longer this distance but we are in the presence of God to see him and to worship him and not even like you think about Isaiah who who saw the vision of God and in heaven and he fell to his knees and says woe is me I am undone for I've seen the face of God and here I am, a man of unclean lips, from a people of unclean lips. I mean, he was undone from seeing God, but that won't be how, how it will be in heaven. Because the mark of sin is no longer there. We'll get to actually see God and enjoy God. Our relationship with God will be restored, and we will be able to, to, to remain in His presence for all of eternity. Oh man, how I look forward to that day. To see that, to see God, Amen. to walk with Jesus, to talk with Jesus face to face and enjoy that relationship to its absolute fullest. So we will experience a restored relationship with God. We also uh, experience a restored relationship with one another. We'll see a restored relationship with one another. We'll be reunited with loved ones. We think about our loved ones who have, who have gone away, who have passed away, and they're, they're in heaven today, and we long to be with them, right? We miss them, and we know they're in a much better place. They're in, in the presence of the Lord, and we, we are, are excited for them, but we long to see them again, to be re reunited with them. And we will be reunited with them in heaven. Uh, if we die today and we go, we'll be re reunited with them there. But we'll be physically reunited with them. We'll have that that face to face physical relationship with them again in eternity. Our we'll be restored with our loved ones. But we'll also be restored with our loved ones, uh, with others, and those broken relationships. Broken relationships will be restored. I mean, let, we're supposed to be a people of peace. We're supposed to be forgiving and loving and, and forgive one another, all of our, our faults and failures, but yet still there are often times that we still have that broken relationships, even with those who we call brother or sister in Christ. Uh, you probably have some family somewhere down the road that uh, maybe there's been a broken relationship. There was a dispute over inheritance or something like that. That's usually what does it, right? There's an inheritance and, and there's a battle over it and, and that causes division. Or, or there's something that takes place so often in families. We see families broken over, over worldly things. But you know what? In heaven, when we get to heaven, there'll be no more of those disputes. 
There will be no more fussing and fighting over inheritance. There will be none of that. All of those broken relationships that uh, have remained broken for whatever re reason will be restored in heaven. So we will be, we will be restored with our loved ones through those, uh, from those broken relationships. Uh, we'll, be, we'll have our relationships restored with our, our spouses. We'll be reunited with our spouses. Yet, uh, I do want to make clear that uh, that relationship will be different in heaven. It will be different. We'll be reunited with our spouses, but there will be a different kind of relationship there. Matthew 22, 30, Jesus, he's, uh, the Sadducees have come to Jesus and they're trying to trip him up with this little argument they, that they've got. The Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were trying to dispute the resurrection with Jesus. And Jesus gives them this argument. He says, you don't know the scriptures. You don't know your Bible. But here's what you're missing. For in the resurrection, they, people, will, never, will neither marry nor are they given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So uh, if you... Want to be married to your spouse in eternity? I'm sorry uh, to tell you, you won't be married to your spouse in heaven. Uh, marriage won't be, uh, it won't be a thing there. Uh, we won't be given in marriage. We won't marry or be given in marriage. We won't need the, the command to procreate and fill the, the earth. All that's done and finished with. Uh, so no, you won't be married to your spouse, but you will be reunited with your spouse. And, and let me just tell you that whatever that looks like in heaven is far better than the relationship you have with your spouse right now. Whatever relationship you have, whatever that looks like in eternity is far better than the relationship you have with that person, that husband, that wife here on earth. Why is that so? Because even in our worldly relationships, even with Mary Beth and I, we, we love one another. We care deeply for one another. We know a lot about one another, but yet there are still some things hidden, right? There's not, I don't share everything with her and she don't share everything with me. There's things that are hidden that we just don't tell each other, oh, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> you, you tell Mary Lynn everything? Everything. There's nothing hidden, huh? Right? <laughs> nothing that she will find out about, huh? <laughs> That's right. It's recorded. So if Mary Lynn listens, now you're you're on the spot. You're on the spot. <laughs> But, but that's the truth. I mean, there's, there's, even with the, the people that we love the most, we're most intimate with, there's still things hidden. There's things that we hide away in our heart because we're still sinners at heart. I mean, down you know, in the flesh, we're in the flesh, and, and we hide things that we don't want other people to know about, that we're ashamed of. But in heaven, there's no more of that. There's no shame. There's no shame. We won't remember that stuff. That's right. It will be gone. And there'll be no reason for shame. There'll be no reason to hide anything. And, and the best, the most loving married couple still has those disputes, right? We still have arguments because we're all still sinners. And that will be no more. So uh, don't be discouraged if you think, well, I'm not going to be married to my husband or my wife for eternity. 
No, that, you won't have that kind of relationship anymore because that relationship, uh, it had a purpose in this lifetime, in this world. Uh, but in eternity, what relationship you will have, though Scripture doesn't tell us what that's, exactly what that's going to look like, uh, whatever it is, it's going to be far better. Amen. It's going to be far more intimate. There's going to be more intimacy with your spouse than you can ever imagine in this life. Because nothing will be hidden. No sin will stain your relationship anymore. So you will be restored with your spouse. You will have a great and wonderful relationship. What that exactly what that looks like? No, you won't be married in the sense that we think of marriage today. Uh, but you will have a relationship, and whatever that relationship looks like, there'll be far more intimacy, far more love, far more far more respect, far more uh, joy than anything you can imagine in this lifetime. Does that sound good? Amen. Sounds good to me. So we'll have a restored relationship with God. We'll have a restored relationship with one another. But we also will have a restored relationship with creation. We'll have a restored relationship with creation. Now, uh, think about this. Isaiah chapter six, uh, 65, which actually I want to go back to that other passage there in Isaiah real quick. If I can find it. Or is that it? Isaiah chapter 65. I didn't mark it in my Bible, so I'm having to flip. But that's all right. That gives you time to flip too. Isaiah chapter 65. Isaiah chapter 65. Going down there to the bottom of that. Picking up down there on verse 25, uh, Isaiah 65, 25, The wolf and the lamb shall graze together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food, and they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. So uh, when sin came into the world, uh, before sin came into the world, Adam, he had dominion over the, the beast of the field. He had dominion over all of creation. And he walked with them. He guided them. He directed them. He took care of them. But when sin came into the world, guess what? He became a food source, right? Uh, there became enmity between man and the rest of creation. And so lions attack us, bears attack us to eat us and maul us and all of those things. But in eternity, yes, there will be animals there. That's what scripture seemed to tell us. It seems to say that God created this world with cows and horses and bears and lions and tigers and all of these things. And so there's no reason to think that in eternity, those things won't be there as well. So there will be animals in eternity, but there will no longer be this enmity between us and, and the rest of creation. They're not, they're not going to be trying to kill us for lunch. 
right? We're going to have a relationship with them now. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, the talking horse and, you know, the famous Mr. Ed, right? We're not going to be able to talk like that, I don't think. Uh, we'll be able to understand them in that sense. We'll be able to understand them as much as we can understand our animals. I can understand when Gus wants attention, our dog wants attention, right? He, he lets me know that. So I think they'll communicate in that way. But we'll have that restored relationship with them. There will no longer be that enmity between us. Uh, in that also, uh, you know, we'll all be vegan at that point. Uh, there, there will be no more. Uh, sorry, Ken. <laughs> no steaks. Uh, no steaks. We won't be able to slaughter the cow and, and cut out some T-bones or anything like that. Uh, we'll all eat straw, as that text says there. We'll be vegetarians. We'll be a vegan or whatever the hip word for that. That's what we'll be, right? Because there's no more enmity between us and the, the rest of, of the animals. So uh, there'll be that. We'll be able to see them. We'll be able to, to play with them. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6 through 9. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with a young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. Now, there won't be a little child. This is, this is allegory, right? This is imagery, but that gets the point. The little child will lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So uh, there will be this restored relationship with God, with one another, with all of creation. So, uh, man, it's going to be kind of neat. To be able to, to you know, walk around and, and, and uh, be able to go pet a, a lion, uh, pet a tiger, uh, and, and do all of these things. And, and all of that will be over with. Now, I am a little bummed about the steak thing. <laughs> kind of like my steak, but I, I'm sure I'll have a different appetite at that point and, and love the, uh, the, vegan, the vegan diet. Uh, but along with that, right, we're, we are going to eat and, and all of that sort of thing, so, which we're going to get to next. So in, etern in eternal heaven, we will experience restored relationship with God, one another, and with creation. We will experience the fullness of life because of our, rest uh, excuse me, our resurrected bodies and because of our restored relations. Third, we will experience the fullness of life because of rewarding work and worship. We will enjoy heaven, we'll experience the fullness of life because of rewarding work and worship. I need to click. I'm not used to clicking my own stuff here. Uh, we'll have rewarding work and worship. Uh, what does that mean? Well, number one, we'll rule and reign. We will rule and reign. Second Timothy 2.12, Paul tells Timothy there, if we endure... We will also reign with him, reign with Christ. If we deny him, we, he will also deny us. Revelation 21, 24. By the light of the temple, of the new temple. I'm, I'm adding some words in here to make this make sense, just reading this one verse. But by 
the light of the new temple, God's temple by God, will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And so the kings of the earth, of course, Christ is the king, but it seems to tell us in Scripture that uh, you know, his people will be kings. There will be you know, kind of division. We'll talk about this next week when we talk about rewards, but uh, we'll be given dominion. We'll rule and reign over the earth. We'll be co-regents again with Christ. That's why God created us in the beginning. Adam and Eve were to be co-regents with God. He set them over the earth to have dominion over the earth and subdue it. And so that's a return to that perfect model. And so, again, we're going to rule and reign over the earth. We're going to we're going to manage the, the cattle. We're going to manage the, the 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 lions and the tigers. We're going to have dominion over them. So we'll rule and reign over the earth. We will build and create. We will build and create. Just think about that. We are born or God created us. In his own image and likeness. And what is God? He's a creator. That's part of his nature. That's part of who he is. He is a creator. And so he created us to create. Now we don't create like God creates because God creates out of nothing. He just says it and there it is. But he created us to create. That's why we, are, we typically, we, we're creative, right? We, we build things. We, we like to build houses and, and uh, paint pictures and write songs and all of these things because that's part of God's image in us. We're creators by our very nature. We want to create. Isaiah chapter uh, 65, verse 21, the first part of it. Uh, they shall build houses and inhabit them. In the new heavens and the new earth, it says there that we will build houses and inhabit them. Now, I know that uh, John says that Christ went to heaven and he has prepared a place for us. Uh, I don't think that's literally a mansion, though. He, he went to prepare a place for us by going to Calvary's cross and dying for us, paving our way into, into heaven, paving our way into eternity. But... Is it hard to imagine that in eternal heaven that we might build houses? I mean, it says, you know, the new heavens and the new earth were to enter into God's rest. And so uh, we're going to need places to rest. And so is it hard to believe that we might actually build houses in eternity and inhabit them? <laughs> Don't want to paint. <laughs> no painting. Well, Mike will be there. <laughs> we'll just call Mike up. Huh? You're getting vinyl siding. You're done painting after this one, huh? <laughs> but think about Revelation chapter 14, 3. It says there of the 144,000, they were singing a new song before the Lord. Now think about that. This group of, of people in heaven, they were singing a new song. Well, if it was a new song, somebody had to create that song, didn't they? Somebody had to write it. 
And so the indication is that we will be creative still in eternity. We're not just going to sit on the couch all day and eat grapes, right? We're, we're going to be creative. We're going to build. We're going to be constructive with our lives. I mean, think about, think about what we could do in all of eternity. Uh, could it possibly be? I mean, just think where we are now with technology and, and all of those things. Now, we won't have the, the sinful things that technology produces today, of course. But uh, could, we, could it possibly be that we could continue to experiment and to build and be creative and create new technologies even in eternity? Why couldn't we? God created us to create, to be like him, to create things. Could it be that he, could, uh, he would allow us to, to take nature, to take the, the things, the material things of this earth and create? Whether that be building houses or, or, or I don't know, building other things. Uh, 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 let your imagination roam there, right? I think we're going to be creative. We're definitely going to work. We're going to work. We're going to do things. We're not going to sit around and be lazy. We're going to work. I think we're going to create. I don't know exactly how that, that looks, but Scripture tends to indicate over and over that we're going to build things and create things in eternity. So if you have a creative bug, guess what? You're going to continue to have that creative bug. All of us. Brandon is happy. <laughs> you, can, you can paint and draw and create all kinds of, of wonderful art in eternity. That's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. So we're going to build and create things. And we're going to cultivate and harvest. We're going to cultivate and harvest. Isaiah 65, 21, B, the second half of Isaiah 65, 21. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Of course, I've already said we're going to be vegans, right? So how are we going to get our food? Well, we're going to go out and we're going to till the land and we're going to plant seed and we're going to do the work. We're going to harvest the work. It's not just sit around and get somebody to wait on you. God's not going to send the angels to do, give you room service. We're going to work. But here's the wonderful thing. God created us to work. Sin is what made it a bummer. We only dislike work because of a sin, because sin made it hard. Sin brought thorn bushes into the picture and these weeds that overtake our corn and our crops. But God created us for that. And we, we love it. I mean, I love to work. We were all created to work and we thrive when we work. In fact, you ever, you ever notice anyone who goes into retirement and they go to the porch swing? They just quit doing anything. They just go to the porch swing. What happens? About six months, you read about their obituary. Because they die off. Why? Because God created us to work. And as long as we're physically able, we're going to work. Now, it may not be all in the same capacity, right? Our work is going to change. As we retire, we go home, and we're going to work in the yard, or we find some other hobby to get uh, started in or we raise cows or or we do something right we go to work we do something else but we're always going to find something to do because God created us to work and in eternity we're going to work but it's going to be joyful work we are going to enjoy the work it's not going to be a struggle it's not going to be a pain it's not going to be uh, hard 
Not like work we think of work today. It's going to be enjoyable work we will cultivate and harvest. Uh, fourth, we will study and learn. We'll study and learn. Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Uh, we read this earlier in our study. Uh, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those. Now, remember, this is in the present heaven, but it's still applicable to eternal heaven. Uh, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw the souls, uh, the, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then he uh, he, uh, and then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Now, again, this is present heaven. This is towards the end uh, of, of time, right before Christ returns. But still, it's applicable to eternity. I think it is. Right. They learn something. Here are these souls under the altar. They cry out to God and God tells them something. He teaches them something about himself. It's not time yet. I've still got more to do. He teaches them something and they learn. Well, I think in eternal heaven, in eternity, we're going to learn. We'll never be omnipotent or omnipresent or omniscient. Those are all characteristics of God. They're attributes of God. We will never know everything like God knows everything. And so we'll always have things to learn. So I think we're going to be able to study, study even God, and know more, learn, constantly be learning more and more about God for all of eternity. And God is inexhaustible, right? We can learn for all of eternity and still not know everything about God. So we're going to have the joy of learning about God, seeking knowledge, studying and learning more about more about God, about his creation, about the universe. Who knows? Maybe we'll create a spaceship and be able to fly out to all of these other planets and, and learn that way. I mean, you, you hear about people that people say that. Uh, a lot of people think that we'll just be able to kind of beam out to all of these far planets. I don't know. I think we still have some human uh, limitations there. We're, we're, again, we'll never be omnipresent. Only God is omnipresent. We can't be two places at once. Uh, we're going to have to travel. Right? We're going to have to take time to get places. And so maybe that's it. Maybe we'll create a spaceship and fly out to other universes and explore them. There's going to be exploration. There's going to be learning. There's going to be all kinds of adventures still, uh, I think, in eternity. And of course, last and definitely not least, uh, this is the most exciting thing. There will be praise and worship. There will be praise and worship. Revelation chapter 22, verses 3 through 5. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, in the new Jerusalem. And His servants will worship Him. 
They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or of sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. We will worship God. There will be worship in the presence of the Lord. Uh, there will be worship in everything that we do. Think about this. Because we have a tendency to think of worship as what we do in the sanctuary on Sunday. But is that worship? No, that's one form of worship. It's an important form of worship where we get together and we sing praises to the Lord and we thank Him for His grace and His, just the wonder of God, right? We worship Him in that way. We hear His Word, but man, in, in eternity we'll be able to worship Him in that way face to face in the throne room, just bowing down before Him, singing praises to Him with Him right there sitting before us. But we also are called to worship in every other aspect of our life. Everything you do, Paul says, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of Christ. That is, do it all as worship, as worship, as praise and thanksgiving to God. So our work, our creativity, our uh, restored relationships, all of this is going to be perfect worship. Worship of the God of our creation who loved us and gave us eternal life in Christ Jesus. Oh, we're going to worship. Man, if you don't like to worship, you're headed to the wrong place because there's going to be all worship all the time. Just worship God in all kinds of ways. And our hearts are always going to be filled with worship and all for God. So I know I kind of went through all this. Uh, and we didn't really stop for questions along the way, but let's talk, stop now and talk, give some time for questions and comments or thoughts about any of this. It seems like to me that as the church as a whole and just things that were taught growing up in the church is that we almost have gotten it backwards if we feel like what's going on in heaven right now is what this eternal heaven is like. You know, because when somebody dies, anybody dies in your family, people will tell you all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. You know, which, I mean, you know, we know they're not angels and we know they're not things like that. But, oh, they're running and jumping and playing baseball and fishing in a pond. And But it, it seems like, so what you're saying is that's not what's happening right now. No. No. Um, so the question is, like we get this idea, and I'm saying this for everybody here, but also for those who might listen to us as well. Uh, you know, we get this idea about heaven even now that we kind of, we kind of imagine eternal heaven as taking place in the present heaven, where we're running in fields and fishing in ponds and doing all these wonderful things. Uh, no, that doesn't take away from the glory of it, uh, because. Now, in present heaven, you're separated from your, your body, your physical body. There may be some kind of physical presence, but it's not your physical body. Uh, there's still the, the joy unspeakable, right? There's, there's this, this joy that we can't even imagine that's there. But there's also this longing for something more, something greater to come, because we know that God has something greater still in store. Uh, but yeah, all of that stuff's coming in the eternal heaven. Uh, 
when, our, when we do have our resurrected bodies and this earth is made new and heaven and earth kind of come together and, and reunite and, and yes, then we're going to run through fields of glory and, and we'll be able to, I don't know, fish, I don't know, maybe. Uh, we, we won't, we'll be vegan, so we'll, we'll just wave at the fish. We'll play with the fish. I don't know. But yeah, exactly. Right, right. That's just what we have. That's what we kind of think of as heaven, right? We go fishing or go hunting or something like that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we do need to, it's good. And it's when people pass away, when we have loved ones who pass away, people meaning well, uh, you know, they kind of portray present heaven as future heaven uh, or future heaven as the present heaven. Uh, and that's all good and great. But we do need to understand as Christians that there, there is a difference. And the present heaven is not the end goal. Now, it, it's a step, a big major step towards the end goal, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is eternal heaven when we have resurrected bodies and we'll be, live in absolute perfection. And we will, you know, creation will be restored to what it, God intended it to be in the first place. Amen. And absolute perfection. The present heaven is absolutely body present with the Lord. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's going to make, I mean, that alone makes it joyous. I mean, that's just, we can't imagine the joy that we'll experience in the presence of the Lord. That's why Paul says to be, uh, you know, to live as Christ, but to die, that's Cain. Even to, be, to die and to be separated from the body, to be present with the Lord, that's a gain. That's gain. So it's a glorious thing to die and go on to be with the Lord, but there's something greater in store. There's still greater something store, greater in store. It's almost like we will be present with the Lord going, are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think those souls under the altar, they, that's kind of what they were doing. They were saying, uh, Lord, are we there yet? Is it time? Are you going to do this thing? Uh, and he's like, no, kids. Nope, it's not time. We're, we're not there yet. It's not there yet. Well, you mentioned an interesting thing because time was created for us here on earth mm -hmm. there may not be time in heaven because a day is, is a thousand years a thousand years is a day you know that sim symbolism but if there's no time in heaven you know the people that died five thousand years ago just got there yeah we go yeah you know and there's not a separation like there's not a longing for anything like you said earlier yeah um I'm not sure, though, <laughs> that there, I mean, I'm not sure that there won't be still that sense of time in eternity, in eternal heaven for us. Uh, and this is why. Number one, because God, uh, again, e eternality is a key aspect, a characteristic of God. And so God is eternal like we could never be eternal. God sits back in eternity and, and he sees everything as right now. So when you think about God in eternity, uh, yeah, there's no sense of time. He sees the fall uh, as right now taking place. Uh, you know, he can experience it even in the present, you know, <laughs> in eternity. Uh, he sees the end just like it's, it's right now. He's out there outside of time. I'm not sure because of Scripture, I'm not sure that we ever reach that level. I know we'll never 
be able to see back in time and experience the past as, as God experiences it in eternity. But even in Scripture, when it talks about eternal heaven, there seems to still be the kind of this passage of time for us. There still seems to be day and night. Because when you think about eternity, eternity is complete removal of anything like that. It's just, I mean, we, our minds can't comprehend eternity. But, uh, but in Scripture, it seems to tell us uh, that there are days, you know, there are seasons. The fruit gives its fruit in its season. And for fruit to give its fruit in its season indicates some kind of a passage of time. See what I'm saying? So, I don't know. That, that's something that I've, I've kind of struggled with and, and I kind of, in this study, in my, in my studies, I didn't bring it out. I'm glad you brought it up because uh, uh, it, it is bringing out. But, uh, you know, that's something I've always thought about myself. How's that going to be? Is it going to be like, are we going to experience eternity? Or will there be like this sensation of time moving on? And just certain things in Scripture seems to indicate that it will be more like a passage of time for us. We'll still, like I say, there'll be night and day and, and seasons uh, that we'll experience. But don't take that to the bank. Because I'm just, we don't know you have illusions in Scripture, right? And so you try to imagine from, from what the little tidbits that Scripture gives you. We, we may fully well experience some form of eternity and have no time. Uh, that, that's a hard one to answer with what Scripture tells us. In Revelation 10, it says, and time will be no more. Time will be no more, yeah. So... I don't know. You reckon that's talking about time to receive Jesus? No, I, I don't. But I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, uh, to me, it's not a deal. But I just uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, um, it's um, it's just uh, you know, as, as, as the brother here is trying to teach, there's so many things that. Mm -hmm. We uh, don't know, but the reference to time is no more. Uh, is that uh, a literal time? Is yeah. No more? And uh, and even with the, uh, you know, you're talking about the the uh, the, the baby eating, uh, or the, uh, uh, and there's another reference about uh, the baby uh, mm -hmm. nursing and. Uh, yeah. Uh, is that not literal, or? I don't think there will be babies in heaven. Well, it's, uh, so I think that's yeah, figurative. And there won't be right. Yeah, and it's right. Uh, uh, either way, it's not a deal for me. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, time will be no more. In this, uh, certainly, in the sense that we'll we're not going to die, right? So time's not going to be a deal for us. Uh, but will there be that sensation of time uh, that will be like? Because when you talk about time, time is is you know days and months and weeks so you have seasons when you talk about time uh you don't have that if you step out of time there are no seasons there are no days and nights uh, so you get both kind of aspects you know there we don't have to worry about time because we're going to be here for the rest of eternity future right uh, but at the same time there's still this sensation of time that still seems to be communicated in scripture with this 
fruits being coming in their season and and building houses, and, building houses and, and things like that. So, yeah, that's one of those things we gotta imagine. And I think it'll just be different than what we see as time because yeah. we won't have a sense of impatience. Right. You know, it won't be like when's it gonna happen. Mm-hmm. We won't be impatient. Right. Yeah, we're not going to be looking for the next big thing, right? Other questions, comments, thoughts? Most people want their houses painted in two weeks. Most people want their houses painted in two weeks. <laughs> well, a day, a thousand years, a thousand years, a day, so, you know... <laughs> You say, oh yeah, it's going to be a day, and if it's a thousand years, I hey, no big deal. I'll never know. <laughs> you said something about um, the mansions, or, or, the, or you said there weren't houses and or whatever. But I, I keep thinking about Jesus saying, "In my Father's house are many mansions." Uh -huh. not many so rooms, many mansions. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, are you talking about the present heaven or the eternal heaven? Yeah, I mean, and the present heaven, of course, and that's also an allusion to the new Jerusalem coming down, so the place that God is preparing us. So I think there is some figurative language that Jesus is using there because uh, we couldn't comprehend what he was, you know, if he, he, if he laid it all out for us, for his disciples in that moment, they'd be like, what, what are you talking about? That's, that's beyond us. We couldn't comprehend. So uh, God talks to us in language that we can understand. He brings it down to our level. And so, yeah, I think in a sense that Jesus was using figurative language in there. He's saying, I'm preparing a place for you. You don't have to worry about you know, where you're going to live and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to heaven and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And in the, the timeline of things there, that was right before he goes to the cross. And so when he's saying there, I'm going to prepare a place for you, uh, the emphasis there is what he was about to do on the cross. Uh, what he was about to do was prepare a place for us by paving that way, by opening up the way, by dying on the cross uh, and becoming the way, the truth, and life uh, so that we could go to the Father. So I think there is some figurative language there. I don't, you know... We do have a place in heaven. He has prepared us a place in heaven, uh, and it's glorious. There's a big mansion, right? God, there's the new heavens, the new earth, or there's, excuse me, there's the new Jerusalem already being built and prepared there. And so there is a place for us to go uh, and stay. In eternal heaven, I think there is that possibility that we're going to spread out from the, the holy city and inhabit the earth and possibly build houses as Isaiah says there there might be that where we are be able to create new houses for ourselves and and build build places to dwell in so maybe again this is we're we're using that figurative language that scripture uses and we're trying to create an image and imagine and imagine eternity with just a little bit of what scripture gives us uh, but I think that's a good possibility from what we, we do see in Scripture. I couldn't imagine that, you know, everything's just set up. All you do is kind of just stand around all day, right? Just kind of wander around the street, streets of gold. You stop in, worship for a while. I can't imagine 
uh, eternity in that way. Myself, I couldn't imagine that. Uh, I want to do something, right? <laughs> God created us to do. He created us to create, to be like Him and, and creating things. He created us to, to work, to uh, cultivate the field, to, to harvest the fruits. He created us for that. And so I think it, when we think about eternity, when we go to, to spend eternity in, in eternal heaven, we're going to still do some of those things, right? He's not just going to lay it all out for us and say, all right, here it is. Go, go live in your mansion and, and, you know, have eternity just work free. No, he's going to let us do what he created us to do. Other thoughts, questions? Maybe that, that attitude of you know, having the easy run, that may fuel some of this prosperity gospel. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, because we, in our sinful uh, sinful flesh, we, we end up wanting to be lazy quite often. Uh, we want the easy life. I mean, that's what the American dream is all about, getting the easy life, right? And so we're, we're looking for that easy life where everything is done for us and we can sit out by the pool and whatever, do our thing. Uh, but that's not what God created us for. He created us for so much more. No welfare in heaven. No. None of that. <laughs> uh, so, so Clay, you might can build your own kind of Corvette, and you know, it will be. <laughs> there you go. You might build something even far better. Will there be HOA rules? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that got to put those restrictions on us. <laughs> That's right, the G-O-D rules, that's right. He'll give us our rules and regulations. So, uh, you won't be able to use fossil fuels, but you know, you'll have to, it'll be bio, whatever. <laughs> and no fire marshals, absolutely. Absolutely. No fire. No fire. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed tonight's session. I enjoyed preparing it and, and teaching it. And uh, it's, it's, man, this has been a great study for me. I so enjoyed just researching all this and digging into it more. And uh, I've just been so enlightened uh, myself as I've studied this and prepared it for you. And I hope you have learned a good bit as well. Uh, next week, we move on to our final lesson about heaven. And that's going to be looking at rewards, those eternal rewards that uh, we have in store for us, uh, what they may look like. I'm not going to say what they look like because there's some questions there, but what they may look like for us. And then after that, we move on to hell. And uh, we're, we don't want to go there, but, but we'll visit for a moment uh, to get an idea. Uh, all right. Well, let me dismiss us in prayer and we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, do, I just thank you, Lord, for, uh, for paving a way for us, Lord. You have, you have made the, the way into eternity through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
So, Lord Jesus, thank you for being the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you that we can go to the Father through you. Thank you that we can have the hope of eternity, knowing that when this life is over with all of its aches and pains, Lord, that you have a perfect creation waiting for us, a perfectly restored body, a perfectly restored earth, uh, where everything is like you originally intended it to be without the stain of sin. Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us an imagination that we can sit here and imagine. Though we don't know all the, the answers, there's still so many questions. But Lord, you have given us enough that we can at least imagine what it will be like. And through our imagination, Lord, we just long for that day that we will be able to receive those resurrected bodies and enter into eternity with you. So Lord, let us look for that day and long for that day. Uh, as we look for that day and long for that day, Lord, may it be fuel for us to go out to our friends and our neighbors, to our uh, family who are lost, Lord. Let it be fuel for us to go and take the gospel of Jesus Christ to them so that we might see them in eternity and one day as well. So Lord, bless us. And uh, bless us as we leave here. May we do all things for your glory and honor. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all.